Aloha. Welcome everyone to the Moana Nui podcast for this evening in partnership with Papa Olalo Kahi. And so today we're going to talk about paradise and I am your moderator for tonight, um, Hawaii Souza. <clears throat> so glad to be here with everyone. I'm going to share a little bit about each of our panelists today and then they'll say a little bit about themselves. So today we have Michelle Kamagaki Barron, who is a PhD candidate in linguistics department at the University of British Columbia. She focuses her work on how speakers of pidgin may bootstrap their knowledge to more efficiently learn Olelo Hawaii. We're so happy to have you here today, Michelle. Mahalo nui. Olivia Kavayamao Edison enjoys the arts and is on a consistent journey of educating herself on various topics including genealogy, mythology, and world history. She has a passionary for culinary arts and baking, and she is currently following a career in the coffee industry where she is the kitchen manager overseeing all custom pastry syrup production for a company in Louisville, Kentucky. <clears throat> Mahalo for being here, Olivia. So happy you can join us. And Matt Kamara, many of you may know, <clears throat> has several successful pages on Facebook. He is the founder of the Frozen Ohana and was born and raised on Oahu. So before we get started with today's conversation about paradise, <clears throat> we wanted to talk a little bit or give an over brief overview of the importance of today. So real quickly, we wanted to mention and honor the importance of today in Hawaii. On this day in 1843, Great Britain and France acknowledged the sovereignty and independence of the Hawaiian kingdom. We celebrate today as La Kuakoa, which is Hawaiian Independence Day. And as we think about how this day impacts our identity as Kanaka Maole or Kanaka Oiwi all over the globe, many hold a deep proudness of being people who are from the Aina. Even those of us today who live in diaspora, many of us still honor a connectedness through the love of our people and for our people, the land, our ancestors, and the Lahui. May the Kani Kapilas of today remind us of our sovereignty through the advocacy of individuals such as, but not limited, limited to, Kamehameha III and Timoteo Ha'alilio. Please visit kanaiokana.net for more information. So mahalo for everybody coming in. If we are going to start real quick, if you just want to give a 30 second to a minute introduction about yourself, I'll just go in the direction that is on what I can see. So we'll start with Olivia and then Matt and then Michelle. All right. My name is Olivia Edison. I am from Louisville, Kentucky. I am currently the kitchen manager of a growing coffee company. In my spare time, I enjoy baking and creating a Hawaiian Southern fusion of pastries. And yeah, that's a little bit funny. Aloha mai kako. My name is Matt. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to participate in this conversation. Um, as Pawahi mentioned, I was born and raised in uh, Kanioi, Hawaii, and uh, now I live in Minnesota. Oh, I cannot get it to work, huh? <laughs> Aloha, everyone. Thanks, Pawahi, so much for for inviting us all here and for holding this space for us. I um, really appreciate it. Yeah, I my name is Michelle Kamikaki Baron. I was born and raised in Honolulu and my family moved to Hawaii from Japan in the 18, late 1800s, so right at that turn of the 
right when the occupation started to happen, right at that kind of that time. And my family did plantation work with the coffee fields. But my work now is just in the Department of Linguistics at yeah, UBC in British Columbia. And I do language work mostly and trying to advocate for Lolo Hawaii and teach people like Canadians about, you know, Hawaiian and pigeon is a lot of fun. <laughs> so it's nice to meet everybody here. Hello again for everybody being here. I'm so glad you guys got to come. Okay, so let's talk about paradise. So where did this, where does this topic even come from, right? So many of you may know, especially my panelists here. First, let me say this would not be possible without the Moana Nui podcast and without Papa Ola Lokahi. So thank you for sharing and having this space for us and with us to be able to bring these types of conversations to the table. So paradise, yeah, it's one of those things that I have been working on through my PhD work. Uh, Michelle and I happen to go to the same um, school. And so I look at paradise as a social determinant of health, right? And so even the term social determinant of health is really like conflicting because what does that even mean? So basically, what are these factors that like paradise in itself creates that is problematic? And so some of those things that we see that we'll discuss more about is when people think about paradise, they often associate it with certain things or certain places. And there really is not a clear understanding of where paradise is or what paradise is. And so that's how I come to this term, thinking about like, what is paradise? Where is paradise? And how has it caused issues for Kanakamale. So that's how we got here. And I'm so glad that I have the three of you because you bring many different perspectives, especially for us in the diaspora, right? For Matt, who lived home for a long time and then moved, you know, away. Olivia, who has just went home for the first time this year. And for Michelle being a generational local. And so we have different perspectives of like what this looks like. So we're going to start with one of the questions. <clears throat> The word paradise is often derived from many languages, but comes from like the green language as it stems from the word paradisos, meaning a garden or an enclosed park or a pleasure ground. So in general terms, outside of thinking about like Hawaii as paradise, in general terms, how do you define or think about paradise? And so this question is for anybody, but if you guys have a hard time like who needs to go first? I can totally ask somebody to go first. But yeah, this question is for anybody. I can go first. It took me a little bit, like I thought about it for honestly the past week. I even looked up various definitions of paradise. And one that stuck with me was from the Cambridge Dictionary that said, Paradise is a place or condition of great happiness where everything is exactly as you would like it to be. So that gave me a mindset of paradise can change based on each individual. So for me, I always had this idea of Hawaii being like this place of paradise just based off of images because this was my first time going home. And when arriving there, I don't want to say it was a letdown. It just, it was like a big hug. It felt like it was home more so than it felt like paradise. And when people think of paradise, they think of 
lush and like green and beaches and water and things and like things like that. And paradise to me is not that. And I realized that when going, and when we stayed in Maui, we stayed in different places all over the island. And I was able to see bits of history, current and where my family comes from. My family is from Hana, Maui. And uh, Paradise for me was a point. I really had a moment of this is beautiful for me. So I got to connect with the land, the Aina, and walk in Hamoa Beach. And for me, that was a moment of like, okay, this is my idea of paradise. So for me, it's what we create in our mindset. So that's how I thought about it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. One thing that I always say is, you know, when people say that Hawaii is paradise or when the people think about paradise, there, there's no conceptualization or there's no understanding that paradise is actually our home, right? So like the way that other people may feel about it is not the same way that we feel about it. Because like you said, it wasn't a letdown, but it was more like a, wow, this is my home, you know? So thanks for sharing and reflecting on that. Michelle or Matt? For me, when the question was originally posed to me, you know, from a, a high level perspective, I think it's easy to say this is paradise or this is paradise and whatnot. But as Olivia mentioned, um, the more I sat and thought about it, it, it really did encourage me to think a little deeper. It, it's interesting being involved with this conversation, looking back, if you had asked me this question, let's say 15 years ago, I would tell you, yes, definitely 100%. Um, being born and raised in Hawaii at the start, you know, yeah, Hawaii's got arguably the best beaches in the world, the best weather, the best sand, the best water color, water temperature, and, and, and the list goes on. I mean, Hawaii is the best. As I've grown and, and my knowledge has gotten deeper and my understandings of things have gotten better, it's definitely changed my perspective. To me, is Hawaii paradise? Yes. Although I'm confident to say, even against majority, I think my perception of paradise is a little different than what others may perceive it as. And, and I'm interested to get into the conversation and share a little more of that. As we were talking offline, I'm really active in social media and in different communities, groups and whatnot. And I took this question when it was posed to me, I took it to another site. The group has 180,000 people. So I thought it'd be a, a pretty good mix to see what people were would say. My question was, Hawaii is often referred to as paradise. What makes it paradise? And I would say 99.9% .9 of the responses were the weather, the plants, the fruits, the beaches, the temperature, and things like that. And my challenge to that process, that thought process is that paradise or are you just describing tropical to me? And like I said, I look forward to getting into the conversation a little more about that. No, go ahead. Talk about it. This is not a one person goes next, one person goes next. <laughs> go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, we, we can dive right in. To me, my current state where I'm at as far as understanding and and my knowledge of things. To me, paradise, if I had to describe it to you in regards to Hawaii, it would be an abundant lo'i patch, abundant ocean resources, 
fresh water sources untouched, you know, providing fresh water to the fields and the families and the plants and whatnot. That's where I see paradise. Don't get me wrong, the, the weather is nice. I think a lot of people might be shocked not understanding what liquid sunshine is. Uh, but, uh, you know, all, amongst the weather and, and the beaches and, and things like that I've mentioned, uh, that's what I see paradise. When we look at a good example would be this. I, I was thinking about this conversation on the way home from work today, and, and I'm sure everyone has seen it. Uh, we've probably done it ourselves. If, if you just Google images or look on social media or, you know, wherever you may see pictures, if you think about it, people take pictures from their hotel room towards the ocean, right? So you have from their camera lens to the ocean, which is the viewpoint or, or the perspective they're trying to show you. What do you see in between that? A lot of times, skyscrapers, concrete buildings, homes everywhere scattered all over the land so my question back to that you know and, and somebody was a lot of people will add the notation to that picture paradise this is amazing well is it really and is that what paradise is to you you know that that's my question back to that thought process i'm not saying that it's wrong or right but you know there's there's wonderful beaches and there's abundant lowy patches which is paradise, you know, but that's the way that I see it now. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, like, <clears throat> what is paradise? And then it goes to the question, like, who gets to claim what paradise is, right? So who gets to claim what paradise is? And when do we as Kanaka get to take that term and claim it for our own and flip the narrative? So that paradise is for us. So yeah, like just thinking about everything you said, I love that you mentioned that to you, the lo'i patch is paradise, right? And so we may have people online right now that don't even know what a lo'i patch is. So yeah, I would love for you to explain a little bit more about maybe what the lo'i patch is. And then uh, Michelle, if you want to talk afterwards, that'd be great. Yeah, if you if you do a basic um, Google search or talk to anybody with with any level, I, I guess I would say, um, of Hawaiian history, um, it's believed that uh, Kanaka come from the kalo plant, um, and the lo'i patch is where the kalo plants would be grown. You know, going back to definitions um, of what is paradise, you know, when you, when you look at Merriam-Webster, like you'd mentioned earlier. Um, it's, it's really religious based. Um, and, and the way that I perceive it, um, in, in that aspect is that, uh, it's, it's describing perfection, right? Whether it's being compared to heaven or other things that it's described to. I looked up Wikipedia and in Wikipedia, it says in paradise, there is only peace, prosperity, and happiness. So again, you know, we come back to houselessness. You know, we talk about Kanaka moving off island in seek of better opportunity, different ways of life and so forth. But when you look at the numbers back on island, back in Hawaii, the houselessness percentage is a lot of Kanaka Hawaiian people or, you know, locals born 
on islands. So there's a lot of different way, angles that we could look at what is paradise and, you know, who perceives paradise how. Mahalo. One of the comments someone just made was talking about Lo'i Kalo and then Haloa, right? And so we have that Hawaiian mythology, and I say mythology with my fingers like this, because for us, it's a very real story, right? But for Western knowledges, they call it Hawaiian mythology. And so who Haloa is to Kanakamaole um, is very important. And it does go back to Kalo. And for some people who may not know what Kalo means, it's taro. So yeah, we have a whole creation story surrounding Haloa. So yeah, check it out. Mahalo for your insights, Olivia and Matt and Michelle. I actually really struggled with this question. I, I turned my mic off and on because I just kept saying, I don't really know. No, I think I really resonated with your story, Olivia, with like just coming, you know, just like that when you're getting off the plane in Hawaii, just like that embrace. I cry every time. And I think, why did I ever leave ever? Like, it's just, you, it's like, it, I don't know, it's just something about it is just really different. I think unless if you haven't experienced it, I think it's hard to describe. But I think when I thought of this question, I was really cynical because of just, I think just growing up and especially maybe now being outside and people, I confront people who, you know, maybe don't know, or I haven't been to Hawaii or don't have that tie and they'll describe it as paradise in this way. And they almost have this perception that there's nothing that can go wrong there. And, you know, even when I was living in back at home, a lot of people will talk about how shocked they were to see houselessness there and poverty. And I don't, to me, that was really identifying that as just a, a surprise. This was really shocking to me uh, because I don't understand how people could under, like to think about a place of really just being this utopia. Right. And I think that there's something to be said of just this individuality with like what utopia would even mean and who who's that meant who is that meant to serve right so when we're thinking about paradise even in the context of the biblical sense a lot of times people will describe it like in a humorous way like oh if my version of heaven would have this and that right and it makes me think of how you know the way that hawaii is commercialized you know it's to to fit a certain type of person's idea of paradise or idea of a utopia and it fits this and that right but is that that's not exactly something that aligns with a lot of people that are you know have ties to Hawaii especially Kanaka interests right and so yeah I think I struggled a lot with that question because I think you know of course I love Hawaii but and, and I have a lot of I, I really do think it's like you know it's paradise in its own way I guess but I think yeah, I think I feel really cynically about the word itself. It's interesting to bring up the point of tourism and and the word paradise and how people would perceive it from that aspect. You know, I'd, I'd be interested to look back and, and maybe it's something I'll do uh, offline. I'd, I'd be interested to look back to when the term paradise was actually coined if it was at the beginning of, you know, tourism and things like that, because that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, going back to what Michelle said, like how Hawaii is commercialized, right? So who whose point was it to like, use the word paradise and, you know, put it out there as like, oh, this is a place of paradise. So yeah, who where did that come from? I think that's an interesting 
question to ask and like think about where did that come from? So since we're here, let's talk about why do you all think, because we're talking about this anyways, why do you all think people associate Hawaii and paradise synonymously? I know you all have alluded to this a little bit, but do you think there's more um, there besides the beaches that people um, would, you know, view Hawaii as paradise? Or do you think it's just, like you said, Matt, is it just a tropical thing? Yeah. From the aspect of seeing it from folks that visit the islands, I think that's what's catered to them. That's what's presented to them as this is Hawaii. Hawaii is paradise and the tropical beaches and the soft sand and the watercolor and temperature and and whatnot. You know, one thing to challenge people back that describe Hawaii as paradise in the context of beaches and, and things like that is, you know, what did you learn? When you were there, did you learn anything? Or did you just go to the beach or, you know, whatever you did there. Um, Did you do anything within a community? Did you meet anyone? Did you talk to anyone? You know, it's interesting, again, from this uh, social media site that I posted this question on, there was a handful of folks that also answered the Aloha spirit. And, uh, you know, it's been really tough to sit back quietly, but I genuinely did want to see what other people's responses would be. If you're telling me that Hawaii is paradise because of the beaches and the flowers and the plants and and whatnot, then what is the Aloha spirit to you? What are you defining? When Michelle and Olivia talk about getting off that plane and immediately getting emotional, crying, feeling that sadness when it's time to leave, your na'au is home. Anyone that understands would know how hard that is to describe. And and that's where I'm struggling a bit here, but you're you're always home and that's what you're feeling. You're feeling your connection to your home. And I don't think that's what other people are feeling when they're saying the Aloha spirit is what makes Hawaii paradise. People meaning visitors, you know. Olivia or Michelle, you wanna add to that? I think I saw someone comment and say that they feel like paradise is a marketing term or like a marketing scheme. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Me never, me growing up here in Kentucky, um, I was always like the other, what are you? Who are you? So for me, I feel like the mystery And there's always like a weird mysticism or mystery or just like this, as you said, like magical sense behind going to Hawaii and things like that. I think that also drives it. Um, It's something that I feel like people seek out. They are leaving their place and going to this other place that is so much brighter than what their current state is. So I think for me here, the mysticism behind the islands or it's just like, ooh, it's spooky. Or ooh, one thing I got growing up a lot was, ooh, you know how to move your hips really fast. So that makes you like special. I'm like, that's not it. So 
for me, you're talking about your spirit and the Aloha spirit. And I've talked to Boy uh, about this a lot. Growing up, I didn't know how to describe it, but I had this longing for a place that had never been before. So for me, that kind of like made going to Maui this year a lot more meaningful because that it felt like that gap in my life closed and I understood things. And we talked about tourism and I was able to see the effects of tourism while I was there. And I was able to unfortunately see how much it drives a large portion of Hawaii. And I was able to understand and connect that. And for me, that that is what kind of took some of the mysticism away from going home and seeing things. That's what killed it for me. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Being in the community and seeing how all the locals come together with everything that happened in Lahaina, that also put things in perspective for me of, it was a double-edged sword. You see all the love, you see the togetherness, you see uh, the welcoming, but you also see the disconnect of people hurting and worrying and how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do that, and the need of tourism and the need of people to take in this paradise to survive. So that is just something that has sat with me the most from my trip, and I still dwell on it and think about it honestly every day since I've gotten back. It's something that I've thought about of like this give and take of the islands that we have to like see and deal with. I also really resonated with what the commenter said about marketing. I think uh, it was going back to what we were saying before as well with just marketing for who, right? And like whose idea is paradise and who is I, whose idea is this basically, who's this market uh, consumer, who's the consumer in that market, right? It makes me think a lot about just the illegal annexation as well, just like, you know, the justification of the annexation of Hawaii was with this idea that it was a military necessity for the United States, right? And so when we're thinking about just like how Hawaii is conceptualized now, it's it sort of seems like another kind of idea of we exist or Hawaii exists as sort of this playground for the United States. It's just this auxiliary idea of, of something that belongs to the U.S. as well, right? And we really saw, I, I really experienced um, during COVID was just seeing how many people were so angry when, you know, at first when there were all these, there, I think there was an attempt to try to make people from outside of the U.S. just at least pause and coming to the islands because there was so much COVID. And, and I think that there was just a lot of overfilling of, of hospital spaces and these things, right? And so I think the ask for a pause really caused a lot of uh, uprising, I think, particularly from outside of the U.S. because it seems that just this risk of losing their vacation became so much more important than Kanaka lives. And yeah, I think that just seeing that and just who is this market geared towards, yeah, that really says a lot of like why Hawaii is marketed in the particular way that it it, it is. And I think some of the negative effects to that as well, right? We see just a lot of people just 
Mm. Yeah, just considering, I think, prioritizing their vacation over the concept of people having health and, you know, their lives and existence, right? And so something that just made me think a lot about that. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of what you all are saying is it, 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 this is the discourse that we have when we think about paradise, right? Like who and what happened, even on this day, right? I think it's important to say like Britain or Great Britain and France were the ones who signed the Anglo-Franco proclamation, right? So like the United States was invited to the table, but the Secretary of State, I think he was John C. Calhoun, decided you know, he was going to wait for the Senate to be a part of this or Congress or somebody. But yeah, so the United States didn't say yes, that they were going to like support, but then they didn't say no. So yeah, if we think about the importance of this day as well, in celebration of the independence, you know, that recognition from even entities beyond, right? So empires that were not America, like recognizing us as a sovereign nation. Right. And why this day is important even more for this conversation of like, what is paradise and who is naming it? And so what are these driving forces? Right. So we have the military. We have the idea of tourism and this notion that tourism is the only thing that drives Hawaii. And I think there it's good to say that recently within the time frame of what happened in Lahaina, there was a survey that was done. And don't quote me on numbers correctly, but what it showed was that the Kanaka owned businesses in Maui did, they reported that their businesses did not thrive off of tourism. And the non-Kanaka businesses said that they did thrive off of tourism, right? And so even that discourse right there between like Hawaiian business owners being like, well, no, I don't really solely depend on you know, non-Kanaka or generational locals to support me, you know, you have like developers and organizations, hotels, whatever, who are like, oh, we need people to come because if we don't. But I think one thing that people need to understand too is like economically for Hawaii, I think a lot of people think if they come to Hawaii that they're providing an economic avenue for us, right? Well, most of that doesn't even go to like Hawaiians, right? It doesn't go to Kanaka. It doesn't go to generational locals most of the time. A lot of it goes to the developers and the businesses and the organizations that have like, don't even live there, right? They just have their winter homes there or something. So it's always like that, that thing in the back of our minds that people don't really know about the economics of Hawaii, because all they say is, oh yeah, I'm going because we need to help them economically which is like, who are you actually helping economically? Because you're not really helping Hawaiians um, in the most sense sometimes, I should say. So yeah, very um, rich discussion we have going on. So let's get to another question since we have a little bit of time. How has your perception of paradise changed over time or has this been something that you've thought about? I know we've talked a little bit about this. But also, why do you think everyone wants to experience paradise? I can tell you through the years, my perception on a lot of things changed. (laughs) You know, from a frozen Ohana standpoint, starting the community 22 plus years ago, in the beginning, it was all about having the biggest party, having the most people. 
attend and, and how much bigger can I get? And as time progressed, and like I said, as I started learning, maybe maturing a little bit, it's really turned into what am I leaving behind? What am I paving for the future generations to walk? And, you know, what are we doing to pass down cultural knowledge in general to do our kuleana living off island to ensure that, you know, things do move forward and continue moving on? And, and when I translate that into paradise, like I said in the beginning, you know, if, if you asked me 15 years ago to describe Hawaii and paradise, I would have told you beaches and, and everything that I normally hear now. And now I'm at a place where, you know, paradise to me is, like I said, you know, sustainable water, fresh water, abundant ocean resources. You know, I, I don't know that there's much we can do to any of the concrete jungle per se that's already up, but I do feel that there's a lot of work we could do to slow it down. Paradise is definitely not oppression and gentrification. And in that aspect alone, that reminds me that there's a lot of work to be done, whether we live off island or on, on island. I was reading through the comments here and it was talking about visitors' concept of paradise and how it was superficial, non-tangible items, right? And then that comment went into, they're just comparing scenarios and enjoying nicer options while in Hawaii. And that it's difficult for them to have a true appreciation unless there's an understanding. So my challenge to anyone watching and including the folks participating is, how do we change that narrative? Because we can. And, you know, it's it comes to a point of really having to not care what other people think in a way, and we need to bluntly put it on the table. And we build off of that as we move forward. I encourage everyone to go to Hawaii and visit. And I tell them about how wonderful it is. And, you know, at my age now, only recently am I starting to understand myself how truly special the places that I come from. But getting out there and really touching base with folks that move off island, folks that's never been there, or, you know, let's say you overhear someone saying, I went to Hawaii and it was paradise. Well, what was paradise about it? You know, was it tropical or was it truly paradise? By definition, this is paradise. Is this what you saw? Because if this is what you sincerely saw, you only went to places that they marketed to you to go. You didn't truly see Hawaii for all that it is. You know, rich valleys, waterfalls, plants, they're only abundant in Hawaii. Animals, birds, you know, there's just so much more outside of what the magazines are showing and what the commercials are telling you to go in and see. And I definitely encourage you to go and see those things, but also go with an open mind that there's so much more, you know, that does make Hawaii paradise, you know, Hawaii is paradise, but we have to make sure that we're seeing it for its actual contents that does make it paradise, if that makes sense. I really resonate with what you said, uh, Matt, and I think that there's a lot to be said of just how a lot can be done in the future in terms of maybe taking back the term of paradise and taking back, I think, who we want to 
educate, you know, uh, about Hawaii and the place and the cult and Hawaiian culture. And I think it's really interesting to see how there's a lot of movement to be done in that direction. And a lot of it's happening now. You can see that, like even talking about Hawaii outside, you know, you can see that a lot of people will be surprised because they're fed a certain, I guess, concept of Hawaii, right? And when they learn about, you know, land struggles or, you know, um, the push for evaluation of Hawaiian culture and language rights is where I kind of work in that space, right? And you can see that a lot of people resonate with that, you know, in communities around the world and to see that kind of identification of, of how that can really resonate and that that kind of version of Hawaii can really resonate. I think it shifts the mindset of how one might even perceive Hawaii and also one how one might act, I guess, if they are visiting Hawaii, right? It, it, I think that shift needs to sort of happen to make, you know, something like uh, tourism more sustainable, if there is a future of that. Yeah, but I really like that. Yeah, it's, you know, social media is a crazy thing. And we literally have the ability to reach hundreds of thousands of people at our fingertips. It all comes down to our approach. And that's a lesson that I definitely learn every single day in my my contacts that I have, whether it's in person or uh, on social media or through emails or, or through any of the ventures that I'm involved with. But learning how to approach and engage different groups has really humbled me, number one. It's put me in a position, I would say forced in a certain way, to let in and, and respect other people's perspectives and has taught me the ability to engage into meaningful conversations from those points. And where I'm going with this is, you know, for example, if we get on Facebook and we look up Hawaii travel or Hawaii tourism or just search groups, you'll find groups, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 people. Those are amazingly excellent places to start planting seeds. If you go into one of these groups and say, what were the top three favorite restaurants that you ate at when you were in Hawaii? I would challenge the fact that a lot of people are gonna list off chain restaurants or something they're familiar. We need to be louder coming out of our communities together because if you ask one of those travel sites, they're gonna give you three chain restaurants. If you come into the more local Kanaka Hawaiian sites, they're gonna give you three local businesses, you know, to go in and, you know, taste the food or, or try it out. And that goes back to what we were talking about as far as does Hawaii need tourism? Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, I, that's just the reality of it right now. Is Hawaii too dependent on tourism? Uh, personally, I believe so. Um, and using Maui as an example, that tells you clear as day it was. But using that example, it also shows us that there is so much runway for good works into driving business into these Kanaka-owned businesses, Hawaiian-owned businesses, local-owned businesses, that the opportunities are endless. We just really need to get out there and get a little louder now. People are starting to hear us. I, I can tell you, I, I, in Minnesota, in the Midwest, coming out of Iowa, there is a major grocery chain 
that comes out of here. And, you know, for example, just to show that people are hearing the obligatory Hawaiian street bread ad came out and it was a trickle effect. You know, I threw something out and then this person threw it out and it started snowballing and our voices got so loud that they actually pulled that ad off of their social media nationwide. And that is clear proof for anyone who doesn't believe that we do have the ability to change narratives, specifically in, in this context would be for paradise. You know, open up a conversation. What is paradise to you? And let these people go and, and start talking about what is paradise because genuinely they're telling you what they really thought was paradise and that's okay. That's the information I'm looking for. And then slowly start planting those seeds. Did you notice this? Were you able to experience this? You know, and not only does that plant seeds to get those conversations started, you're planting seeds for return visits. You're planting seeds for money to go back into Kanaka-owned businesses. You know, no matter what, tourism is going to go to Hawaii. The tourists are going to go. It really is up to us, the community, to get out there and, and really start getting our voices out there in a respectful way and start trying to help people understand that there's a little more to this than what's marketed to them, I, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes, to everything you all are saying. <clears throat> um, so I want to bring this question to Olivia, since we're talking about narratives. And so the question that I wanted to ask Olivia is, what do you think about the saying priced out of paradise, right? So like for Matt and myself, um, and you're Ohana too, Olivia, like mm -hmm. being priced out of paradise. I, I personally don't like that term or that phrase, but how can Kanakamali change the narrative of paradise being our home and not just some place filled with fun? Truth be told, Hawaii is hard, right? Like we're listening mm -hmm all of the things that you've experienced, that you saw while you was there, that Matt knows, that Michelle knows. So folks visit and they think we just go beach all day, right? They're like, oh, we just go, they just go beach all day. But really a lot of our families are working two and three jobs or yes. there's like seven people living in one house, right? And so people don't understand like how we even like are able to live there, right? Our, our generations live in one home. So, yeah, my question to you is, what do you think about the saying price out of paradise and how can Kanaka change the narrative of paradise being our home and not just some filled place, fun filled place? Mm. Hmm. For me, the first thing that came to mind is to educate one another. My the, I went back to Maui to take my tutu home. I am the eldest great-granddaughter of Julia Koyama Napia'a, and she taught us the importance of sharing. And that means whether educating food, helping a worker, coworker, anybody, that is important. And one thing that she instilled in me is to listen and learn and educate myself. I come from a very hardworking family and we all share that same sentiment. I think I have, I was able to meet uh, my great grandmother's cousin or her younger cousin and her name is Cecilia Kupau and she 
is actively still fighting for Hawaiian sovereignty. And she is uh, one of the most determined and powerful people I've met. And she told me that educating myself and knowing my genealogy is what is important on restoring, restoring our people and restoring our land. And that is something that I've taken back with me. I think if we teach each other and for me, it's I'm trying to get out of, because growing in Kentucky, I have a very, what's the mindset? This is a very I mindset. I take care of me, but growing up, you have a family, you take care of your family. And I learned, I was able to see the importance of that when I was there. I think knowing that information and being able to share and uplift one another and running to Alelo and these are important things that help make us who we are. So I think that kind of changes our own mindsets and we can share that with other people to educate and change their mindsets. As Matt said about people thinking paradise is just tropical, you're just describing a climate, there's more to that. And listening to conversation things, I feel like the one thing that stuck out to me is the re-education, that you don't have to work yourself to death to survive in this state that has come up around us to fulfill someone else's paradise. So I think... Yeah, Yeah, mahalo for that. I think that, right, with colonialism, settler colonialism, we do have this idea of I.I. when really, like, that's not how our community ran. You know, that's not how it was many moons ago. So, yeah. Matt or Michelle, do you all want to add on to that? Maybe, like, how do we change the narrative? You know, like like I had mentioned previously, we literally have the opportunity at our fingertips. And the way that we change the narrative is to get out there and start talking. Do it. You know, wake up every day and do it. Whether it's educating folks that are around you, social media, emails, events, you know, where, wherever the opportunity presents itself. And in a, a lot of situations, present the opportunity. I think also starting from, you know, from our local communities and and just, you know, focusing or like shifting the priority, I think, to Hawaii and, you know, what is actually valuable to the community, I think is really important. I remember just growing up and I think doing language things, I think a lot of people, you know, talk, me going back home, talking to people, a lot of Kanaka even will, will say that they don't think that, you know, at the end of the day, Olalo Hawaii is really important. And I think so, something like that really resonates with just, it seems really tied to this idea of, I think, making everything marketable. A lot of times I think growing up, a lot of people will try to learn something like Japanese solely for the purpose of it will help you market your business because, you know, of tourism. And I think that this kind of shift of mindset of, okay, well, you know, who's telling you that that's more important? You know, I don't know if it's coming from your community. It's not really uh, an internal, I think, value. But I think, I think starting from that position of 
what do I really want and what actually will make me feel at home? And those things I think maybe you could start from an individual level as well, or just you yourself. Yeah. I think kind of making that change of, of what paradise will mean or, or that marketing of what you can start from that place as well. Amazing. Yeah. And I heard Matt, when you said, you know, in the page, you guys, you use your voices, right? And so just that collaboration of voices together and the kind of change that can be made. I think one thing that's important for me is like when people say they do want to go to Hawaii, uh, if you can give me a good enough answer as to why you want to visit, then I'm like, okay, go here. You know, I'll actually give you places where I think it's good for you to go Two places that people never tell anybody to go to on Oahu is the Iolani Palace and the Bishop Museum. Right. And so even those kind of places, they hold a lot of Hawaiian history. Who gets to tell the history there? You know, I've heard some people say, don't tell people to go there. Do tell people to go there. But at the end of the day, that's where like a lot of the history is held. So why is everybody telling people to go to Haleiwa and to go here and there and everywhere? Yeah. So those kind of things that I think about when it comes to like, what is our kuleana in the diaspora of how we are promoting um, tourism and that notion of like paradise, again, goes back to what Matt is saying, challenge that thought, like, why do you think that's paradise? So we just have a few minutes left. And I wanted to like mahalo everybody who is, you know, watching online and for the comments, we're all looking at your comments. We're all able to like resonate with what you're saying. And just a lot of the things that people are feeling with this conversation. So mahalo to all of the viewers and for those who will be able to watch this when they're able to watch it. But for you all, mahalo as well for being here and having this important conversation. So since we have like five minutes left, I want each one of you to, what would you say is the most important thing for you that you want people to know about Hawaii that might be a misinterpretation of what Hawaii is? And maybe a few words of wisdom on how that everyone should be challenged with the notion of paradise. So we'll start with Olivia and then Matt and we'll end with Michelle. So something that I would like to send off of things, something I think I discuss with my friend, even just my friends here in town, I share the importance of respect. I think, I feel like just circling back to a lot of people think Hawaii is just like a party and go to beach all day. But I think I try to push and remind people to respect the land, respect the people. We are a people. We're not just savages on a beach. I get that more often than not, but I that is the one thing that I share respect your space, respect where you are and take in the environment and actually learn, do something where you're going to learn is not something to party up for. So that is one thing that is the biggest for me, respect your surroundings, respect people and learn something from it. I wish there was a way to make it mandatory that first-time visitors or visitors that haven't been have to go to Iolani Palace or Bishop Museum. I, I wish there was some sort of way to 
check it off. You know, let's let's use a passport for example. You get a stamp. You, you get the Eolani the Eolani Palace stamp or the Bishop. You can't go back on the airplane that go back to your home until you visit these places. Um, here's why. Hawaii is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Hawaii is sacred. Hawaii is packed full of history. Hawaii is beaches, nice sand, nice water. If you understand the sacredness and, and the history and the spiritualness, when you do have that party in the water at the beach, it's going to have a little more meaning. When you do go on those hikes, climbing up those mountains, understanding what happened in those specific valleys and mountains, yeah. it's going to be a little more meaningful to you. If you did get out there and understand different aspects of the culture on your way home, alongside reflecting on the warm weather and the suntan and probably the sunburn and the shave ice that you had, you're probably going to reflect on some good knowledge that you can take back and memories that you will really be able to share above what the next person is able to share. Living off island, our kuleana is different. Our roles are different. In a way, it's harder, you know. But man, what an amazing opportunity we have to promote Hawaii and educate folks, even folks that let's say they they lived in Hawaii for the born and raised, lived there for 40 years, for whatever reason, moved off island, now live in your area. They're going to go through a shift themselves, you know, within the the first one to two, maybe three years, things are going to change for them and showing them, you know, how we can get out there and really help and still be involved and be a part of the culture and help support things back in Hawaii, even though, you know, Minnesota, I'm, what am I, 4,000 miles away, something like that. You know, we just have an amazing opportunity to get out there and promote Hawaii for all it is, including what is being marketed to people. But, you know, we have the opportunity to promote everything, every aspect of what Hawaii is, in hopes that people do visit and come back learning more and understanding more and experiencing it in such a deeper way, the, the way that I think Hawaii should be experienced. Yeah, when I, when thinking about just the ideas of which we want to challenge, I think it's this idea of Hawaii as this place that, right, we're all coming, everybody's so nice, and all like there, it's just a bunch of people who are welcoming tourists with open arms and over-sexualization and, you know, all of our food is just a pineapple. We have no problems. I think I really would want that kind of concept to be challenged because these do lead to really severe negative consequences of Kanaka as well as uh, generational locals. Um, right? Like even this over-sexualization, right? We have a lot of spike in sex crimes that happen, right? During, you know, at peaks of tourists, at peaks of tourism, there's this movement of houselessness people. And, you know, and this happening a lot of times at places like Waikiki, where we just need to, we need to hide who, you know, all of the real life problems that exist there, and also people being priced out. I think these are a lot of just a few of many real life consequences of this kind of marketing of Hawaii. And I think maybe what I would want to leave is with everyone, I guess, listening uh, is just there's a lot of richness to genuine Hawaiian culture. 
that's you know not really wrapped up in this idea this marketing of a utopia right there's hawaiian um, language and food and dance and music and i think a lot of that also comes with understanding the struggle of Kanaka people and yeah, the, the struggle uh, that we maybe that, that exists there. But I think, mm, right, I think maybe having this uh, understanding may lead to just perhaps a, a world where the negative consequences are felt in, a, in less severely, I think. And yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Mahalo. Thank you all so much for this conversation. This is a very dear conversation to my heart and to my research process. So thank you so much for being here. Real quickly, Olivia and then Matt and then Michelle, where can we find you? I am at Kawaii Mao on all platforms that I have. It's just my name. So that's what it is. You can find me at www.frozenohana.com on Facebook. The group is The Frozen Ohana. You can check out That Is Not Hawaii in another Facebook group. A little more challenging topics, some of those safe spaces that we have there for Kanaka to get involved and have those tougher conversations with each other, encouraging deeper thought and more challenging discussion. Instagram, TikTok, we're, we're on all the platforms. If you Google my name, Michelle Kamigaki Barron, you can see some of the research that I'm doing at UBC where we're really just looking at how Pigeon and Olelo Hawaii are connected. So we could, you know, utilize what we actually, a language that a lot of people speak to get back the, the language that, you know, is the heritage language of many in Hawaii. So yeah, I think if you just look that up and ask me any questions that you might have, but my email's on that website. Thanks everyone. Oh, I stick talking. You guys can't hear me. I was saying mahalo nui to all the viewers and mahalo to you all again, especially to Moana Nui podcasting and to Papa Olalukahi for making space for us to have these kind of difficult and generous conversations and to bring the diasporic perspective into some of these conversations. So mahalo nui for everybody being here and to all the viewers and to all the panelists. I appreciate you all for being here today with us. Ohuiho. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If they won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free, it was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it see the lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Kohola Bay As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation